Hello and welcome back to the Beyond 1% podcast by Sir Robert McAlpine. In today's episode, Linda Thwaite, Group Director at Sir Robert McAlpine, speaks to three talented women occupying leadership roles in the construction industry. She speaks to Laura Collins, Project Director at Stanhope, Susanna Nicholl, Chief Executive of Build UK, and Karen Brooks, Director of People and Infrastructure at Sir Robert McAlpine. These women are all leading the way in construction and have lots of inspiring stories to tell. We're really excited for you to listen to this conversation and hope that you can take something positive away from it, no matter where you are in your career. A very warm welcome to everybody to today's 1% podcast by Sir Robert McAlpine. I'm Linda Thwaite, Group Director at SRM, and today I'm delighted to be joined by three women leading the way in construction. During our conversation today, we'll touch on our journey to this point and hopefully share some lessons along the way. We hope that this episode is insightful, enjoyable, and perhaps even inspiring for those of you trying to climb the ladder in the construction sector. So a very warm welcome, firstly, to my guests, to Susanna Nicholl of Build UK. Good morning. Laura. Good morning to Laura Collins of Stanhope. Good morning, Linda. And Karen Brooks of Sir Robert McAlpine. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. So if I can start by asking everybody to share a little about your leadership role, and perhaps it's your full-time role and also any other leadership positions that you currently hold. And if I could firstly start with you, Susanna, if you could tell us a bit more about your role at Build UK. Thank you very much, Linda. I am the Chief Executive of Build UK. We are the leading representative organisation for construction. And Sir Robert McAlpine are one of our contractor members and Stanhope are one of our client members. So it's great to be on here with Karen and Laura. Um, I, I guess as a, as a, a role, a leadership role at Build UK, it's, I've got leadership of my own team internally um, across a wide range of issues. We know an awful lot about an awful lot of things some of them we have to learn very quickly on the hoof um, and dig deep and find out information so that we can spread that across the industry I also sit on the construction leadership council um, and have done um, uh, throughout covid so for the last two years so I guess there's that uh, a bit of leading the industry but I think that's in terms of helping the industry to do its stuff uh, so it can be out there in the field um, delivering construction, whichever part of that uh, uh, they do. Um, and it's also then talking to stakeholders, so whether that's government, whether it's the CITB, whether it's the, you know having conversations with EV charge point um, providers at the moment. So it's talking to others on behalf of the industry as well. I do a few things out of work as well. I am a trustee on our local arms houses. So I guess that's a little bit of doing something in the community as well. Susanna, so a really varied role, and I'm sure we might pick up on it later, but you'd say about leading the industry and never was that more prevalent than during COVID when Build UK, you know, everyone was hanging on, waiting for those emails to come in with guidance and the latest news. So, yeah, really prevalent at that point. Thank you. Laura, could you tell us a bit about your role? Sure. I'm um, currently a project director at Stanhope PLC. Um, I don't manage anyone directly internally in the business, but I do manage professional teams and construction teams to deliver iconic construction projects in London, um, which is quite challenging, especially during the last few years. Uh, I joined in November 2019 and um, I was promoted within a year during COVID, um, which was 
a bit of a surprise. And um, I also I also am a girl guide leader as well in, in my when I get some not so much time on my hands, but <laughs> I also run the girl guides locally as well. So I suppose I've got a bit of a leadership role there as well. How brilliant is that? I love that. But also the promotion during COVID, Laura, me too. Yeah, that happened to me as well. And I, I wonder if there's a there's a whole other podcast about whether women actually succeeded in some way during COVID or whether they were damaged in some way, because there's definitely, I've heard of an awful lot of promotions and I'm wondering if that has a link to flexibility, who knows? But um, yeah, one for another day, maybe, unless we get into it later. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Laura. And finally, Karen, could you explain a little bit more about your role and please tell everybody listening to some of the external leadership that you do too, because that's just fascinating. Um, okay, thanks, Linda. Um, Karen Brooks, Sir Robert McAlpine, uh, board director. Um, I'll say it because you always tell me off or not. Uh, the first board director in 152 years, female, uh, for Sir Robert McAlpine. So <laughs> I guess uh, quite significant change. Um, I am responsible for people and infrastructure, which doesn't just cover the HR agenda, business systems, information security, property and facilities management all sit in my remit. Uh, so quite large team, probably 100 plus in terms of reporting in, so responsible around that for leadership. Um, outside of work, um, I'm a member of the England Nations Council with the CITB. Um, so, you know, there is, there's some probably joint collaboration and leadership there. Um, I was a trustee for Alternative Futures Group um, charity predominantly in the Northwest for seven plus years. I've stepped off that now. And um, I work with the homeless through St. Patrick's at Soho. So all through COVID, we were serving homeless people breakfasts and uh, evening meals. Um, and we're the only one open, I think, across the whole of London. So served thousands of people. And, and that continues um, in terms of volunteering there. I'm a a floor manager, which is uh, interesting sometimes. And I guess the other thing you're probably referring to, there's a lot of leadership in probably a very male dominated world. I am a chairman and a co-owner of a football club in non-league football at step four um, with Halesow in town FC. So yeah, that's challenging at times. <laughs> I love that. It's so interesting. But also I love that. Um, I'm glad that you said it because you're often I think a little too humble to do it that you were the first board member at Sir Robert McAlpine and I think that the reason I say that is that it's significant because I think when people see that 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 old adage that you can then achieve it is so true and that's happened with us we've now got two board members three of us are exec members that are females and you know you really can scarily open the floodgates to female can. talent can't you once one person makes can. it brilliant well thank you everybody let's dig into some questions and I'm really keen to hear from each of you and and, and for us to, to base this as a conversation really whether you actively pursued leadership or whether it's something with greatness thrust upon you because <laughs> I'd really love to, to hear that really from you so can we um, Susanna would you mind if I started with you again there Oh, that, that's no, but pioneers always get eaten by bears. So at some point, Linda, <laughs> you'll end up with somebody else. I am, I am more than happy um, to, to, to do that. I think it's a really interesting conversation. And I'm, 
I'm not sure that, certainly speaking from my own perspective, I ever sought out leadership. I think you, you, some people are doers and others are thinkers and some people are a mixture of, of those and a whole range of other things. So I never sat there thinking, I want to be a leader. What I knew is I wanted to be really good at whatever I did. And I couldn't be good at everything. I didn't want to do everything, but I wanted to be really good. And I think you then, um, certainly for me, it means um, you push yourself, you try really hard to do the right thing. You don't always get it right, but I'm always looking to do whatever I do to do the best of my ability and find out what I'm good at, what I need to learn more about. I love reading, I love learning. How can I do things better? And even when I've done something, I will always say, what would I do differently? Or what would I do differently next time? I think also you look at people and... Again, I'm not sure going back to, you know, my career in construction. I'm a site engineer. I've always been in construction. You ever looked up and thought, oh, they're a good leader. I think you look up and you go, gosh, they're really good at what they do. They get people to do things. I respect them. I like their style. They get things done. Other people like working for them. Other people want to work for them. I don't think you always have to like the person. I think that really helps. But I think it's about do people do things for them? You can't force people to do anything. They, you know, in, in it, as an employer, they can just choose to leave you if they don't want to do it. You actually want people to do things because they want to do things for you. And sometimes that's the horrible stuff as well as the really good stuff. Um, so I think most people fall into leadership or step up into leadership. You don't fall into you step up into leadership and find that you're the person that people want to work for, are happy to work for, you get things done. And and, and I call it, the whole career in construction is, is climbing ladders, building bridges. You find your route up there. Sometimes it's by dint of being in the right place at the right time. And I personally would attribute a lot of my career to that, right place at the right time. Others, it's because you have done a good job. And I think we're a bit like Karen, you know, having to have dragged out of her, um, her role in the football club. I'm a Birmingham girl, Karen, so hey, oh so it's really close to my, my heart. Um, is, is that we shouldn't, we shouldn't, if you are good at something, that's fantastic. We should celebrate where you're good at something and develop those skills where you're not, or go and find somebody who is good. I know what I'm not good at. So I employ people who are way better than me at, doing things that enables me to do the stuff I'm really good at the stuff I really like and open those doors to all those people who work for me who step in and who are really really good I'd much rather have somebody who is way better than me doing all the things in my team um you can't do it all and I think that's part of leadership is is finding out how you get the best out of people because overall, collectively, you win. And and, and this is quite a generalisation. I, I think women collectively works much better for us. I do that in my home life. I like to do that in my work life. So I think the short answer is I don't think I ever actively wanted to be a leader. I think you find yourself in the positions where people will do things for you or with you because they want to. And in the way we are set up as a society and businesses, that makes you, for some people it's a leader, for some people it's a really good manager. And they're not necessarily the same thing. So true. And I love the climbing ladders, building bridges. That is, rings so true. Laura, what about you? Is it a similar journey for you? Have you, the harder you worked, the luckier you've got? <laughs> 
I think Susanna, I think I've resonated with a lot of what Susanna just said. Um, but I think, I think it, just to build on that, it, it isn't, it isn't about me looking good. It's about my team looking good, essentially. And you're only as good as your team. Um, and I think a lot of people take a little longer to work that out sometimes that you're kind of, when you're, I, I started as a quantity surveyor back in 2006. And I think we was always on this trajectory of, right, you've got to get your, you've got to get your, um, you've got to get chartered and then you're kind of, you're building your way up the ranks and you're not necessarily thinking about the wider, let's build a team. It's all about you for a, a long time. And especially when I, I moved into Stanhope, I kind of realised that it's all about it's all about relationships and it's all about people wanting to work for you um, because then you get the best per- people working for you and then you're delivering the best for your investors as well. So um, I think I probably, I think looking back, I probably always had a bit of a natural leadership um, style um, and because when I was 14, I was working... I was doing two jobs alongside studying um, and I was a, I was actually teaching children to swim and I worked in my parents' um, place front of house and that probably gave me a little bit of leadership by by organising workshops and things at kind of 14, 15 years old. So um, it gave me, probably gave me a little bit of skills there. Um, and I do remember I was, we did a big charity event at school once and it was Grease the Musical and I, I got a role in it somewhere. Um, and they actually awarded me with Mummy Grease <laughs> Award. <laughs> it's my first award. Um, and it was basically because I was kind of trying to lead everybody and making sure that everyone was okay and um, and just, yeah, just trying to organise things and mucking in and, like Susanna said, trying to be the best person that I could be. Um, it started from a very young age for me. It's inherent and it's with you. I think that's really interesting. I think one thing that... that, that came up in my thoughts then as you were talking and I guess it's a moment of self-reflection is that I'm not sure I ever wrote on a piece of paper right I want to be in charge I want to be leader but I think I have been repetitively impatient or kind of um I don't know if it's a competitiveness or if it's just constantly thinking, right, well, I've got this now, right? What's the next one? Just the minute you get to that one level or one stage or you feel like you've, you've achieved something, you, you don't sit and think, right, well, this is great. I can do this. I'm going to enjoy this. There's something within me that goes, Oh, what shall, what will I absolutely stress myself out and terrify with myself next? Which yeah. is absolutely exhausting, isn't it? But um yeah, just as you were talking, Laura, I realised that that's something deep within that, that that I've never cultivated. It's just a natural thing that's there, isn't it? Yeah, and I think we have got to be careful in the industry because I do I do think we are promoting we are we seem to be promoting very young as well and I and I, I was one of those I, when I was at Mace I was their youngest associate director out male or female and that was incredible at that time um but I do I do think we're maybe diluting the roles a little bit at the moment um and I think we should be really careful because all of a sudden you've kind of got to your top of your game before you're 30 and then like you say where do you go from there um and you've got a long time in the industry to go so I think it's something we should be really careful of and just and actually build on people's leadership skills and make sure um and get the best out of them essentially and it's not just about getting promoted um I think is probably something we should be looking at 
a great shout because we don't want to lose people if they burn out and then decide well I need a new sector we need to keep people what about yourself Karen did you did you wake up and think I'm going to be in charge I'm going to be the first female board member in 150 years while you were at school did you know that was for you no I certainly didn't think that um but actually listening to both Susanna and listening to Laura I was starting to think hmm okay so where did mine come from and my dad is a was an ex-professional footballer before he joined the police force and I grew up I played every sport I was captain of every team I was in so I I think you know that natural desire my father always used to say to me you've got to be a good loser but there's no place for second so in other words you need to come first (laughs) you know so um, there's a there's definitely a competitive element there as well but I like Susanna I think my style is very collaborative um, and very engaging and I think you know whether it was on the sports field playing hockey or basketball rounders netball whatever it was um, and then through into work I too worked from when I was 14 um, I had two different jobs Woolworths on the record counter which I absolutely loved cool. excellent um, and also I worked at a local um, restaurant um in terms of and had some great times there but I think naturally in terms I'm a very organized very planned individual so I think you know um I guess people gravitated and I I did know I slipped into to HR I got married early when I was 19 had children at 20 um and fell into HR when I was about 25 and I decided and I actually wrote it down, which I always recommend is a good thing to do in terms of note your goals down in writing and much more likely to turn into reality. Um, that by the time I was 40, I would be a HR director of a PLC company. And I was. So there's a, I think there's an element of, you know, there's a, a natural piece there for me, but there's definitely a, a driven piece in terms of, you know, knowing what I wanted to do. And your point about once you've got there, then it's kind of, okay, what's next? <laughs> Always looking for that. Mm, okay, what can I do now? <laughs> what's the next thing coming up? So, yeah, yeah, I, I think a bit a bit of both. Mm. And importantly, at Woolworths, did you get free pick and mix? That's, that's, that's no, really what we need no, to no, you, you know, you had to buy your yeah. own. But, but I used to love doing all the record ordering for the week coming up and the lady whose job it was loved it because I used to do all of it for her. So, yeah, it was great playing all the latest and get a discount on the records as well. So oh. my record collection was great. Dream job, dream job. I love it. So let's take a minute to talk about role models if that's okay um and I'd love to hear about if you had any role models coming up through your career and indeed is there someone now whether it's in the industry or outside that you look up to um actually Laura is it okay to start with you on this yeah I'm glad you did come to me first because how can I mean I'm sitting with role models right now and I'm talking to role models so it's amazing to have Susanna and Karen's experience here um, and I'm loving being part of the conversation imposter syndrome is rife right now <laughs> um, but um, yeah so I've I've been I, I wouldn't say role models but I've been really lucky to have lots of people in the industry in my career I've been in the industry for 15 years Um, And I've had some great sponsors and great managers. And I think it's really, really helped. And I do, 
I don't like using the word lucky because I think we all work really, really hard, but I have been lucky when it comes to sponsors and um, line managers because I know some people aren't as fortunate in that in that respect. So, um, but I've I've had some great sponsors and role models both in kind of male and female, um, and I, I really I really enjoy working in the industry. I love what we do. Um, there's some fantastic people that I've kind of they mentor me. Um, and they probably didn't get a choice in it because I just started talking to them and annoying them. <laughs> um, but um, Gillian Charlesworth from the BRE is an amazing, amazing CEO over there. Um, and she was telling me last week that she's actually managed to get their gender pay gap down to something like 7% from 30% the year before. Like, There's some fantastic things going on in the industry and we should be really shouting about it. Um, and yeah I've just I've just been so lucky to be surrounded by some fantastic people in my career um and I'm always quite open and honest about my journey and I kind of I've never really been scared to talk to anybody so I always start um I I never if I want to approach someone then I generally do and I think that's how Susanna and I got talking a few years ago as well so um I wonder if that's that's you know that's something for our listeners really isn't it that you know role models and people that you look up to that perhaps you don't think you could just go and have a conversation with and say hi I haven't got a something very you know planned to say I just know that I want to have a conversation with you because mm. I like what you do I think that that that's enough isn't it to start a conversation yeah. Susanna and uh, would that be the same for you if you had role models like that in your career um, I would completely align with Laura. I think role models is an interesting one. Again, I, I think it's back to you look at people that you see, you like what they do and want to find out more. And I, I would call them champions. And I've had throughout my my life, I was very lucky. My father's a police officer as well, Karen. And I think he's always been my biggest champion, my cheerleader. My dad has always been, whatever I can do, he will help me. How, how can he help? He's always a voice of reason. And I think having that champion, part of it is clearly I'm his daughter. He is going to be my champion. But it's, yeah. it, And I've got a teenage now, and a, a teenager now. And you can see sometimes it's a really difficult balance trying to tell them what not to do. My father never did that. He was always the... Um, champion of me sometimes you know against where my mom's trying to get us to do our homework my my dad was always that and he's been that throughout my whole career and I've had that um since I started work I was a sponsored student so that company championed me I was really really I'm going to use the word lucky Laura within the Lovell group everybody cared about me everybody knew I was a sponsored student so whether it was the MD to the HR director they gave me the opportunities their door was always open. So again, I grew the confidence. If you, if you needed to know something, you went and asked. Most people are really happy to be asked. And all you need to say is, can you help me? And this is what I need you to do. Um, I've seen you do this. I love the way you do that. How do you do that? I personally think it's really happy if you have really uh, better. If you have a specific question, just can you help me? Well, of course, what is it do you want? If you come to me and say, I love the presentation you get. How do you stand up on that stage? Oh, that, I, I can tell you how I do it. Um, you know, I still get the butterflies. Don't worry about that. But this is how I do um, what I do. Um, so 
and, and I've had that throughout my career, and I think we can all be champions and of the people, and we're seeing a big movement with that 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 women at the moment through the mentoring circle, which is where I think Laura and I um, ended up um, meeting, and, um, and there's a couple of people from Sir Robert McAlpine on the mentoring circle. It's this great group of women who are saying, you're brilliant at that, how do I get better? How can you share that? And you mm. all spiral upwards. Um, one thing I wanted to just come back to on the whole leadership role, and I think this plays... Um, into that is let's not forget as well as being collaborative uh, one of the reasons we do what we do is we're quite good at decision making as well and I think that's a big part of leadership is at some point people have to make the decision they have to set the direction and they have to help everybody get there so being collaborative is great and I think I'm with you Laura you're only as good as your your team but at some point somebody has to stand up and say this is the direction we're going and this is what we're going to do when we hit the obstacles um, or if somebody else has the answer, fantastic. I'm always there to happy to step in if there isn't that leadership role. I don't always need to be in charge. I'm a bit like you, Karen. I'm a netball umpire. Yeah. I'm the one who's saying, right, come on, who's going to do this? Where are we going for dinner? All of that. Somebody else does it, fantastic. I don't need to do it, but I am happy to do it. And the one thing that always stuck with me is women take smaller risks, but a lot more of them. Yeah. Uh, we are much better generally at taking smaller but lots more step forward. I think men sometimes will jump from one side of the cliff to the other and they'll either make it fantastic and it's a massive risk they're taking or they crash and burn. Um, women are much better at saying, right, how do we all get across there? And it's that climbing ladders, building bridges yeah. again. Um, we shouldn't forget that either. Uh, leadership, we, we all have our different styles. And I think women do have a very different style. Not every woman, but a lot of women have a very different style. I'm not sure I answered the question there, Linda. I think I started answering the question. And you, ended did. Up you did. You did. And I like it. And I, you like <laughs> it. And I, I think one thing that came out of it as well is that with that decision making, you do need to be brave because, like you yeah. say, you might not have come up with the solution, but it's the accountability for how it goes that I found the most interesting thing that I carry that quite heavily mm. on my shoulders in that, you know, if I say we're going for this or if you've had this great idea and I've said, yep, yeah, okay, let's all go for it, there's there are very few moments where you're going to turn around and, and say, well, it had nothing to do with me as a leader. It, it's you at all time. You carry yeah. that. You, it wins or, or fails by you. And that's a definite, um, that's a life choice. I think we'd, we'd have made cause you carry that. What about yourself and role models, Karen? Um, not dissimilar to Suzanne. My father, um, has always been uh, a real role model in terms of, um, his approach to life and engaging individuals and making sure that you know you bring people along with you he's, he's very good at that he he would say he doesn't recognize he's a very humble man um, but yeah he's he's always been very good and really encouraging in terms of along the way and and I've, I have met and I've been lucky to work with some really good people um, both male and female I can I can think back to a teacher who was very influential, uh, Mr. Withers, who's not with us any longer, um, at the head of junior school in terms of, you know, uh, forming I guess who I was. But then, probably the next really key person was when I went to Yellow Pages. Uh, Deanne Lee, who was the HR director, um, who was really good in encouraging me on. And you know, I remember working on Project Fusion. 
I worked for ITT World Directories and we were joining together with a sales contractor for three quarters of the country for Yellow Pages and Yellow Pages were just in the southeast and we were joining together and I had to pull Project Fusion together as a young HR professional which was a real challenge in terms of pulling all of the policies and the terms and conditions and all of that um, and she she gave me the encouragement and the support in terms of to do that and it, it went really well and I guess my career snowballed from there um but they i've also worked with some really great really great uh, individuals alison Littley would be another one that i really enjoyed working for at crown commercial services what was buying solutions when i joined um who was the director general um she was great and also very empowering individual you know and, and giving you the headspace to get on and do and i think that that's really important it is to me I don't need someone micromanaging me I think a lot of people are like that you tell me what you're expecting uh, I'm my own biggest critic I don't need you to be sitting on my shoulder you know what believe me I will be driving myself much harder than you could um, and she was really good at that really good at that and and I really and I'm not saying it because he's my current boss uh, Paul Hamer I've worked with him now for over 10 years in the last company and in this one um, and I, he knows exactly how to get the best out of me um, in terms of doing the job I do. And he's been a great advocate, I think, for um, female diversification in the organisations I've been in, but also from an, an ethnicity, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of diversification as well. So being really inclusive. Agreed. So I guess I want us to to be a little vulnerable now, if we can, and and share for the for the good of the listeners, and and knowing that we're all doing very well, um, a teaching moment or something that's perhaps not quite gone to plan that's really helped you learn along the way, and given that it's quite um, you know, not quite as easy to maybe step into this conversation, or maybe it is, I don't know. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna let whoever would like to go first nominate themselves. Okay. I can think of one immediately. I moved from being head of human resources at Yellow Pages, which was very, as you can imagine, sales organization, extremely successful, won the European Quality Award twice, uh, which was unprecedented. And I went to AMEC on the nuclear engineering side of things um, as board HR director there. And I remember going along and I was doing a, a big pitch in terms, I think it was around changing the whole reward and benefits piece. And I remember presenting and I'm thinking, I'm really not sure. Why is this not landing? I don't, I don't get it. You know, normally very good from a presentation perspective. I'm not a shy, shy shrinking violet, as those who know me would say. And I'm kind of thinking, I don't understand why this is landing so badly. And I'd done the pre-engagement with people beforehand. And I, I came away and did quite a bit of reflection in terms of why it had gone, not gone well. And it dawned on me that actually I had been presenting, um, providing the information on the basis of the environment I'd come from, which was very much a sales environment. And it was all emotional intelligence. So it was it was all about the emotion and how they felt so I was very much selling what we were trying to do and where we were moving on that basis. But I'd moved into a nuclear engineering environment where they got multiple degrees. 
And it was about, give me the data, Karen. Where's the information? Where's the hard data that tells me this is the right thing to do? And it was like, whoa. You know, and it was it, it wasn't it wasn't disastrous. And clearly I was able to go back and reset. And but it was a really, really valuable lesson learned in terms of remember who your audience is and, and don't ever underestimate that audience and make sure, you know, you are targeting what you've got to say, what you do in the direction of travel on the basis of what they need. And it's how you bounce back from that, isn't it? It's what how you take yeah, that totally. lesson and then move forward, you know, and not let them crumble along the way. Because we've got to, we've, you know, we've got to fail to learn, haven't we? We've got yeah, to try it's... things and we've got to be brave. You mentioned it before, Susanna, about perhaps um, our male counterparts taking bigger risks and big leaps. And sometimes us, us being quite cautious because we want everything to be you know I mean it's sweeping generalization but everything to be exactly right before we do it and so sometimes if we tumble or, or t- you know it doesn't go right it can it can feel quite consuming I certainly know that I don't take my failures very well I'm probably a real nightmare to live with for quite some time afterwards before I go through a cycle of turning it into then something positive what about you Susanna is there anything you can share with us oh how, how long have you got <laughs> about 15 minutes (laughs) I I think I think um, you learn more from your mistakes I think you've just said that 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 is actually how and it don't beat yourself up about it and and Linda like you you kind of go through a cycle where you beat yourself up about it and then you think right you know what move on what can you learn from it I think I've learned you go through that and and I can accelerate that process but I can't bypass it and I think it's about that responsibility I take things I'm quite responsible um, I don't like it necessarily when we don't get it right, but I've learned then Then it's about, about moving forward. A couple of things that I have learned. First of all, trust my gut instinct. Um, my gut instinct is quite good. If I've got, if I feel a bit off about something, even if I can't put my finger on it, just verbalize that sometimes and say, this just doesn't feel right or I'm not sure, don't, don't go with something. And all the times where afterwards I've kicked myself, I've thought, you knew that, you actually said that, but then you let it go. So trusting my gut instinct. Uh, something similar on behaviour with, with can I get asked, which is really flattering to speak at lots of events, conferences, all of that. I'll speak about what I know. If it's a topic on that isn't my area, then there's better people to speak on it than me. I don't need to go and speak on a platform for any particular reason. Talk about what I know. Talk about what I want to spread that message on within within my my um, role and quite happily say that one's not for me you'll find somebody better you know oh they go oh you'd love it you'd be brilliant at it well no I wouldn't because it'd be much harder work I don't really know what I'm talking about go and find find somebody else and I think my third kind of this is one of my golden rules is you can't change somebody else's behavior you can only change your own to get a different response so the amount of times when you used to try and bang your head against the wall to get somebody or something to get a different outcome, stop. What do I need to do differently to get a different outcome? And I use that with my own teenage daughter at the moment as well. Um, <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> you can only change your behaviour. So it does come back to you if you want a different outcome. Uh, so if something's not working, have a stop and go, well, I need to do something different if I want to get something different. Mm. So um, so th- those are the big learning lessons I could talk to you at length about all the no, things I love that. Oh, my goodness, did I really do that? I'm sure yeah I imagine it'd be quite a funny podcast as well if you did one on all the mistakes I can say I can certainly tell you one about when I worked for government and and I was sending out an email to thousands of people about public 
procurement and there was a significant typo. I missed out a letter and I sent one about pubic procurement to the majority of governments and didn't live it down for quite some time. So, um, yeah, I love the way you said you can accelerate the process, Susanna, because I think that's really important to know that you can you can learn and teach yourself to get better at this so it becomes yeah. swifter you become better you become more resilient and that's part of you know climbing through the ranks and, and and feeling more comfortable in your leadership role isn't it Laura anything you'd like to share on your teaching moments I think like Susanna I could probably share quite a lot of uh teaching moments in my, in my career but um I think I don't want to go over what's already been discussed but I think something I wanted to add to that is that you can't you can't be a superhero at everything um and it's something that I've really learned over the last couple of years like if you me three years ago pre-pandemic was working insane amount of hours um I was saying yes to everything because I felt like I needed to prove something to myself um my during the pandemic my daughter was diagnosed with um a really rare genetic condition um And it's kind of made me reset a little bit um, and uh, think about what I want out of my career, out of my life and what I want to kind of leave um, when I when I come out of the industry as well. Um, And I think it's yeah, I think it's just it's just making sure that you're looking after you as much as anything else, because no one expects you to be a superhero it's all that that's something I internalized and that was me thinking that that's how I should be behaving what I should have been doing um and Stanhope get a lot more out of me now because I'm I've got sleep (laughs) I'm I think about things before I respond to things um and I'm just I'm a lot happier in myself and I think that kind of translates to teams and who I'm working with um yeah, I've gone through quite a big, vulnerable, dark space over the last couple of years, but I've enjoyed going through that journey and I've enjoyed coming out of the other side and kind of learning about me as much as anything else. So, yeah, that's mine. I think you're really, you're brilliant to share that with us because I think that'll resonate with so many people, especially off the back of the pandemic. And I know it's something I battle with. I don't think I'm quite out of, if we're being really open, I don't think I'm quite out of the dark space sometimes. Saying yes to everything feels like what I need to do because I'm quite you know new in an executive team and I must be able to achieve everything and that's you know that's hard to maintain so I think Mm. that's a really important message that you've shared Laura to you know really understand your priorities and then actually the result of that is better work anyway and better contribution brilliant Right. So I guess for the people listening, it's they can't see us, but um, for the benefit of those listening, um, Susanna, Karen, Laura and I, although we have made it to leadership roles in construction and therefore we are a minority in that sense, we're not particularly diverse when you look at us as four women. We are four white women, fair haired um, and I think I think we have to comment on that. I think we have to maybe it's a very difficult and complex um, discussion to have. But we are we have done pretty well. But we are not a diverse group of women. And um, I think that that black women, for example, and, and women of color who are trying to make it into leadership have perhaps a much more difficult journey than than the one we've had. Even though our experience may have felt difficult. So, what do you think we can do to help diversify leadership? in multiple senses not just in the gender sense 
It's hard. It's a hard question, but, but it's something that sits with me that I feel I've made it here. How do I help others get here? And not just women. How do I help the LGBTQ community? How do I help trans women get to this position? How do I help women of color? And it's a really, it's a complex one. So I just, I wanted us to just open up for discussion on that if anyone had any ideas or activities that they were undertaking currently on that could I start with you Karen on that one yeah sure I, I think there are uh, there's no one you know magic uh, solution to this um, that I think anybody will tell you if they're being honest I think it's a whole combination of things I totally agree with your point Linda that for individuals to be able to aspire something, they need to be able to see something that looks similar to them. Um, yeah. You know, and therefore, I think for us within McAlpine, uh, we've introduced affinity groups, uh, which are really important. And there are seven of them covering all, you know, a, a vast array of, you know, gender, BAME, LGBT plus, Q plus, um, and so on and so forth, which I think is really important. You know, there's the ability one, which represents people ability, the stages, which represents his age, you know, from really young to the older people in our organisation. So I think that and that's about looking at our organisation through the lens that says how how do we make this a better working environment for all of those individuals? You know, there's the the resourcing team that that look for talent acquisition for us you know in terms of making sure we're using all of the technology that we can to make sure that you know the the adverts we put out are you know promoted across a wide spectrum with that we're looking for uh, graduates and apprentices far afield and not from the usual places that we've already looked for them in the past because you know you do what you've always done you get what you've always got you know so making sure we're being really diverse in terms of where we look for people um i think helps i think uh, as well in terms of being uh, you know an advert advocate for our industry in terms of wherever you are outside of work you know in the various people that i'm talking to you know encouraging individuals talking to young people I work with a lot of people at the homeless shelter and at the football mm -hmm. club that you touch that are much more diverse, you know, at the football club in particular. We have, you know, as, as Susanna will know, you know, if you go into the West Midlands, it's a melting pot of, you know, everything you could think of culturally, you know, so talking to them, I run an academy, we have 40 or 50 young people at year one, year two and year three at Hells Owen College who are studying and getting a the qualification as well as doing football you know mm. and and they're a vast array and and this year god willing we have our first girls actually joining the program mm -hmm. you know as, as well as being ethnically diverse so i think i think it's no one thing linda i think a it's thousands a, a, small actions thousands yeah. of little things a bit like susanna was saying you know we take women take lots of little risks you know and mm. achieve them along the way i think it's got to be lots of little things that we do and not underestimating any of them because all of those little things make a difference. Absolutely. And, and having the conversation, even if we haven't got the words, I think is really important as well. I know just even approaching that question, there was something in me thinking, please, you know, do this right. Don't 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 enter into this and have say something wrong. I think we've got to just accept that to make things better, we have to enter into the conversation with the greatest of intent and hope that we that we get the right outcome. Would you add anything to, to Karen's comments, Susanna? 
Um, I, I, I think we have a part to play. We definitely have a part to play. And, and Karen's right, it's, it's different things. It's what can, can we do? I very much see part of my role generally in the industry is to open the door and, and pull that next generation up. Particularly passionate about women, you know, putting out my hand and helping them up. Um, but it's everybody. I, we need 43,000 young people in our industry. So we need boys, girls, of, 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 we need anybody in between. We just need really good people who want to get on into our industry. And I think there's a couple of things. I think, first of all, it's about exposing ourselves to those people. It's really easy to help the next generation that look like you because you're exposed to them, yeah. whether it's in the workplace, whether it's through your friends. So I think our job is to expose ourselves, make ourselves available for people to say, I'm an ally, I can help, I just need you to tell me you're there sometimes because I don't know you're there. I do think we have a, a challenge in society. Um, I think it's going to be different for the next generation. Again, back to my, my teenager her the diversity amongst her school friends is just awesome um very very different to my own uh, uh teenage mm -hmm. years when i probably knew you know one black girl in my whole year was probably yeah. all that, it, uh, that that we had whereas my my daughter has a much more diverse uh, range of friends but even she comes back and sees how people in society are treated differently she will yeah. go into shops with her friends with different colour skin and they will be treated differently. So mm. I think we have to do what we can do to help change back to that change your own behaviour because you can't necessarily change others. Thanks, Susanna. Laura, anything to add? Because I know Stanhope are working really hard on inclusion. Yeah, we we are. And I've, I think, like Catherine and Susanna, we're, we're, I really try hard to attract people to the to the industry um and I do speaking openly I do think we are in this bubble of wow look at us we're doing really really well come it you can do it but like Susanna says we've got such a huge open vacancy in construction we need to do so much more to attract people to the industry and I'll give you an example because it's something that really um it really upset me last week um because I I did a bit of a international women's day tour last week and i was at the rics i was i did a event in the evening on the wednesday and i left feeling really kind of inspired and empowered and just bubbling and fizzing with excitement because of all the great stuff that we're discussing and what we're doing um and then i did a talk to a girls school on thursday night um and i was after a dance instructor and I was before a games engineer a software engineer and um the the dance instructor got some really good questions like oh who's your favorite strictly judge and who's your favorite dance and things like that and I was like right I'm going to get some good questions here um the games engineer got well what's your favorite what's your favorite game you've been working on what's and and I don't get me wrong I had I had seven minutes and I made the industry as glamorous as I could in those seven minutes because I was very <laughs> conscious that I had um yeah I had to kind of represent the amazing things that we do and I was really sad because my first question was do I get bullied by men and I was gutted because mm. We are doing some amazing things in this industry and I was just so 
upset that that is the perception and I know that's not everybody's perception and everything else however for me to have that as a first question it obviously is something that that there is a perception out there however on Saturday I took my girl guiding group up to my site and I purposely had a diverse diverse um team there and I was and everyone explained what they did for a living and do you know what it was so good to show them what we get up to and I was so proud like we took them up to St Paul's and I was showing them all the buildings and they came to my site and they had a drone that they could go through the site with and they made their own lego building and designed it and and a few of them said I want to be a structural engineer when I grow up and some of them said I want to be a quantity surveyor and some of them said I want to be like you Laura and it was incredible and like look don't get me wrong like if they don't do that then that's fine but what I want them to know is that they can do anything that they can they they want to when they grow up if they want to come into construction they're welcome to come into construction um and I think that's something we really need to focus on. Um, I think getting, like Susanna says, getting that next generation, like Karen says, bringing that next generation into the ranks um, and showing what an incredible um, business we, um, industry we're in. Um, and I, um, I'm only one person. <laughs> I can only do, I can only do so much. But I think if we go back to that collaboration point, and actually, I don't know if we had a day in one of the year that they can cut around and just see what the amazing things we do why not and it kind of gets it all done in one day rather than us all trying to break our backs yeah, there are there are a number of things that construction youth trust uh run something called uh, body brunelles which obviously bring uh young people onto sites yeah the and there's the open great. doors uh yeah which you'll be aware of in terms of clearly that that does it too but we can't do too much and I, I can understand just how rewarding that must have been, Laura, in terms of it's brilliant when you see young people come along and they get so enthusiastic. One of the things I forgot about, Linda, that we do is uh, the work with the Royal Albert Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're one of their corporate partners and um, they have a music programme and they get children predominantly across London, although we have bust a, a few in from the north um, and they do the morning and they're using um, music in terms of I guess a bit like maths etc and in the afternoon we've then been talking to them about construction and how it relates and the mathematical side of things etc and and again just opening their eyes to and these are probably 11 12 13 year olds um, so I don't think we can do too much in this mm. field in terms of encouraging the next generations coming through. Brilliant. Listen, we're coming towards the end of our time and there's two there's two things I definitely want to, to get from each of you. One is a build on what I think you've already said, really, Laura. So more of a quick fire. What type of things can we do to break the gender bias currently to make sure that we become more gender neutral, that we encourage more women into the industry and you've touched upon them in in conversation so far each of you but if if I was to come to each of you and you were just to fire a few things that we need to do that would be fantastic so Susanna can I kick off with you please what what can we do to break the bias is it the role models is it access is it you know glamorizing how we portray the industry what things spring to your mind that you want to see us do more of okay 
Obviously, it's all of those things, as Karen says, digital things. The biggest thing for me is flexibility in the workplace. Is We could do loads of things, but for me, um, during the pandemic, we have demonstrated and we did a flexible working project with TimeWise, which I know now some of you guys are, are, are working with. And it demonstrated you didn't need to work full time uh, in construction to get on. And we've demonstrated that throughout uh, the pandemic. I think Linda and Laura, both of you have been promoted um, over the last two two years whilst in a pandemic. So just opening our eyes that you don't have to work yes. from seven in the morning to seven in the evening on a construction site to get on in construction. We've got roles for everybody and we just have to be more flexible to enable more people. We don't actually have that much of an issue attracting people to our industry. It's progression through the ranks for women that is the real challenge. So we have to make it workable. I always say I'm, I'm breeding the next generation of engineers. You know, my daughter, she'll actually roll her eyes and say, but mom, I don't want to be an engineer. And I go, well, at least you've considered it. Um, you know, if we, if we want more women in the workplace, we've got to recognize that bringing up a family is actually how we generate the next generation for yeah. construction so and that's pa parents of both you know men and women um uh these days want to spend more time with their families and even if they don't have children they are influencing a whole range of other people so flexible working for me is the biggest thing that we could do and will make the biggest difference Brilliant. Thank you, Susanna. Laura, what would you add to the mix there? I think I, I agree. And I think it's it's breaking the bias on both sides, I think. Um, and there's been some fantastic work that we've done the, over the last couple of years during the pandemic when it comes to flexible working, when it comes to parents being parents and not one person being in the office and one person being at home. Um, and I think it's just celebrating, it's celebrating what we've achieved. And I just the worst thing that can happen is that we kind of slip back into our old ways. And I think we just really need to keep the momentum up um, that construction's open for all. Brilliant. Thank you, Laura. Karen? Um, <clears throat> I don't disagree with both uh, Susanna and Laura. I think they're absolutely right. I think longer term for me, there's a, an education piece um, starting right at primary school. Um, about children and parents because parents often can be the barrier so you know I, I see I have a friend who adopted um, a little boy uh, Joseph and she has got him to play with uh, dolls as well as bricks as well as construction kits etc and, and and he gets to play with a whole range of stuff I think we have to work with primary schools and we have to educate them in terms of what the art of the possible is and make sure that actually children's play and children's education is as diverse so that they get to make real choices and parents aren't forcing them down a particular route. So I think it's a much longer term goal, but I think unless we change that, you won't see more and more people coming through construction. Brilliant answers. Final question to each of you, if that's okay. Um, I'd like to know what you want your legacy to be because make no mistake, you are a critical part of the history of construction as women in leadership today when you're a minority. So what legacy do you want to leave for future generations? Just a nice, simple, quick question to finish on there. <laughs> What's your legacy? So can I start with you, please, Karen? Oh. Ooh. 
Susanna's taking a big, big sigh of relief that she's not first for this one. For, for me, I guess I would like to be able to look back and I'd like to be able to see uh, lots of individuals coming through the ranks into leadership roles that are much more diverse. So I can see people like me. I can see lots of other women. I can see um, lots of individuals from different ethnic backgrounds. So I've created the, obviously with my colleagues on the board and the exec team, I've created a platform and an environment where people can thrive. And it truly is a meritocracy, irrespective of what your background might be. And actually, you know, you can rise to the top um, because we've created that environment that enables you to do so. And I'd like to be able to look back and say, yeah, I was a part of achieving that. Fair play, Karen. On track for that, I would suggest. Laura, what <laughs> um, about I think yourself? I agree. And I think just on a more on a, on a personal note is that my I, I mentioned about my daughter having special needs. Um, I'm also a single parent and I've had I've had the same opportunities that anyone has has been given. I went to state I went to a state school. Um, I went to college and like Susanna, I actually got sponsored to do my degree when I went into work. So all of those things and opportunities that I've had are open to anybody. And um, I think seeing how my daughter thinks a little bit differently to, to everybody else, I think it would be great to leave leave the industry knowing that we just made a little bit of a, a little bit of a change and a positive impact um, and that anyone from the outside looking in looks at us and thinks yeah I could do that um I think that's my my goal brilliant thanks Laura brilliant Susanna finally well of both Karen and Laura stole my first one which would be about creating an industry that gives everyone an opportunity to succeed um my my legacy would be um that that I showed there's always a way to achieve something you've just got to find that way um, I, I think that's what I would like to leave. Brilliant. Thank you. Ladies, thank you for joining the 1% podcast today. Thank you for being so candid, so much fun, so interesting. To the listeners, I really hope this has been enjoyable and that you've learned something from it. And I'm sure we can reconvene maybe in a year or so's time and see what the progress has been. But to Karen, to Laura, to Susanna, and from me, Linda, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode with Linda, Laura, Susanna and Karen. If this conversation hasn't left you feeling excited and inspired, then I don't know what will. It's really important that we take the time to have conversations like this in order to drive change and support diversity. So a huge thank you to everyone for taking part. Please reach out to us on at WeAreMcAlpine on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and Throbert McAlpine on LinkedIn with any feedback or guest suggestions. We'd love if you shared this podcast with your networks too. Thank you for listening and we look forward to sharing more episodes with you soon.